On this episode, another giant corporation tries to trademark a common outdoor term. Severia goes to Hawaii without us, but uh, we're not bitter. And I live up to today's theme of everyday heroes by spending over $100 on instant coffee, so you don't have to. Welcome to the Almost There Adventure Podcast. hosts Severia Tilden, Jeff Hester, and Jason Fitzpatrick. Welcome to the second episode of the Almost There Adventure Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about everyday heroes. So uh, Severia, what is a what is an everyday hero to you? I feel like they're sort of like Clark Kent. So you have that person who just goes through normal everyday life. They have a normal job. They probably live next door. On the outside, you may not think of them as some superhuman athlete, but all of a sudden, you find out that they've done these amazing feats or that they've contributed to their community in an amazing way. Or there's something about them that on the outside you may not assume, but um, when you get to know them, you realize they're pretty amazing. Nice. Jeff, What do you th- what's an everyday hero to you? Yeah. So to me, it's somebody who uh, you could be working with. It's the guy or gal that's you know, in the cubicle down the hall and uh, they are doing something. They're sort of an ordinary person doing an extraordinary thing, whatever that might be. Also, if you happen to be an everyday hero or aspire to be an everyday hero in the Pacific Northwest, uh, Jeff has a little bit of an announcement. Yeah, sure. So the Six Pack of Peaks Challenge Series, we've just launched a new challenge in the Pacific Northwest. So if you're in the Seattle area uh, or anywhere in that radius, um, you might you might enjoy this. We've got six peaks from uh, Mailbox Peak, which gains 4,000 feet in less than three miles. No, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Mount Pilchuck, uh, which has a really cool historic lookout tower on the top. Uh, Mount Eleanor on the Olympic Peninsula and uh, a few other great peaks. So check it out at sixpackofpeaks.com and you can learn more about how do you can participate. And speaking of everyday heroes, Jeff, the... Um, Six Pack of Peaks supports the Heroes Project, correct? We do support the Heroes Project uh, with their Climb for Heroes in in uh, May this year. And we also support Big City Mountaineers, which um, helps get underserved, uh, under-resourced kids in uh, out to their first wilderness experience. So it could be a week-long backpacking trip in the Rockies or um, canoeing somewhere. You know, just it's a really great experience for them to uh, get a chance to get outside and help promote the next generation of people who love outdoor adventure. So by signing up for the Six Pack of Peaks, not only will somebody maybe have a personal goal or personal challenge that they are going to overcome and succeed at, but they will be supporting other great organizations. Everyday Hero. You're an everyday hero, Jeff. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and Well, we should also bring up, speaking of everyday heroes, uh, there's already a finisher in the SoCal and the NorCal Six Pack of Peaks. We do, yeah. So 2020 is just kind of kicked off. And uh, we have uh, Philip in Southern California, who's already completed the challenge. And we have Don in Northern California, who completed all six peaks in six days. So uh, hats off to both of them. Everyday heroes. And, and, the, and the not so everyday hero, I have yet to sign up. So <laughs> I haven't even signed up yet. And there's already someone has already finished it. I, I think we're going to be using this, though. I think we're, we're going to be working on it together to hopefully train for some uh, exciting adventures we have planned. Right. Yes, absolutely. All right. Sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> 
Awesome. Um, and uh, and the not everyday hero thing, there's another trademark situation has arisen in our beloved community. Uh, Volkswagen, uh, who have not had the greatest track record in the last 10 years, have tried to trademark the term base camp uh, for one of their new vehicles, which is kind of silly. Yeah, we'll see how that goes, considering the backcountry attempt at trademark didn't go so well within the community before. But that kind of blew up in their face. And I think that uh, even though that they've retracted and kind of tried to back back up and give people some discounts and things like that. There's a lot of customers or former customers who say, well, we're done with backcountry. I don't want to do that anymore. Um, hopefully they can, you know, save face. And I hopefully that other companies will learn from this. I don't, you know, Volkswagen is a little bit different because they are a big automaker. It's slightly a different industry. They're not really an outdoor company. Um, but Basecamp is just so commonly used all over the place. It's hard to imagine somebody being able to trademark that. Yeah. And I mean, who are they targeting with that vehicle? I mean, obviously, the idea of a a vehicle named the Basecamp is like, oh, hey, you're going to be camping in this. You're going to be, you know, you're going to be in the outdoors with it. It's going to be your Basecamp. So, you know, they're not really paying very good attention (laughs) to the community that they're, they're trying to appeal to. Yeah, it doesn't feel very inclusive to be trying to own things that are commonly used by everybody outdoors, right? It feels very exclusionary. Yeah. So if you, you know, are in a marketing department or a legal department of a major company, just, just, we sh- we're going to give you some caution to not try to t- trademark terms that we've all been using for, for decades, if not a century. Yeah. Don't do that. And then segueing back to the everyday heroes, uh, Severia, you were in Hawaii not long ago. Can you want to tell us why? And Yeah, absolutely. So I have a couple of amazing everyday heroes in my life. Um, Before I get into today's episode, I want to give a shout out to Jamie Chrisman, who just finished the 200K Fat Bike Pursuit, which is a winter snow mountain bike in the storm that we just had this past weekend um, in Island Park, Idaho. Um, And she was one of only two women to finish. So I am super excited for her. So that's my everyday hero right now. But I did have the great experience back uh, actually over Thanksgiving to uh, be flown out to the big island of Hawaii to be the crew chief for my friend Billy Rickards as he uh, started and finished the Ultraman World Championships on the big island. That's awesome. Um, let's, uh, Let's run the interview. Absolutely. It was great sitting down with him and talking to him about it after the fact. Today, I'm sitting here with Billy Rickards, a longtime friend and now a finisher of the Ultraman World Championships here on the Big Island. Welcome, Billy. Aloha. Thanks. Thanks. So um, I've had the privilege of being here with you for over the last week and working on your crew as your crew chief and watched you do this amazing feat. Um, so we're now officially a week out. A week ago today, you were starting Ultraman World Championships. How are you feeling? A week ago. Wow, a week goes fast. Um, I'm feeling really nice. Uh, feeling almost all the way recovered. Um, have, the recoveries come in different layers. Um, it took a little bit to get my sleep and my eating back onto a normal schedule. And once that happened, the rest of the body is coming around. And I have just a little bit of soreness left over in the feet. Nice. And for yeah. those out there who don't know what an Ultraman is, can you please share what Ultraman is? Sure. Ultraman is a multidisciplinary event. So it's a triathlon um, comprised of swimming, biking, and running. Uh, but unlike a uh, Ironman event or a half Ironman event, a triathlon, that's a single day event. This is a three-day multi-stage event. 
um, that was originally founded here on the Big Island in 1983, the, uh, the original Ultraman. And the distances were uh, determined by the mileage on the island. And so we go around the entire island. We circumnavigate the Big Island. Um, the first day is comprised of a 6.2 open water swim, 6.2 mile open water swim, and a 90 mile bike. Um, then we spend the night um, in Volcano National Park. The second day is a big bike day. It's 170 miles of biking. Um, and then the third day is a double marathon, a 52.4 mile run. Um, each day has a 12-hour cutoff, um, so all athletes are encouraged to finish each day under the 12 hours. However, um, if you happen to not finish under that 12-hour cutoff, you're still allowed to participate in the race. You're just not considered an official finisher, and you would be a participant in the race. Awesome. Um, and just for the record, having followed Billy around the island in a van, even that was exhausting, just being in a van <laughs> <laughs> and not having to actually do the swim, the bike, or the run. So it was uh, quite, a, quite a feat and quite awesome to watch. Um, what made you decide to do this? Fear, I think. Um, one of the things that I've learned is some of the greatest things in life are just on the other side of our fear. And I, I got into triathlon just kind of as a whim um, about seven years ago um, and would participate in Olympic distance races, which are kind of quarter of an Ironman distance. Um, and then thought, ooh, the half Ironman distance, that seems really far and that seems kind of scary. Let me sign up for this big scary thing. And um, then once you do the one big scary thing, there's another big scary thing waiting for you. And so this just kind of seemed to be the natural evolution of that process. Is there something scarier than this? There are lots of incredible, <laughs> scary races out there, yes. There are people that are doing 10 Ironmans in 10 days. There are people doing 50 Ironmans in 50 days in 50 states. There are people doing this race called Uberman, which is... There's even a triathlon across a whole continent of the United States. Um, human beings' capacity for emotional and physical fortitude um, is quite phenomenal and there's a lot of races that'll help people realize that and so do you consider yourself a professional athlete or a natural athlete neither <laughs> <laughs> far from professional um, and quite unnatural <laughs> takes a lot of work it does take a lot of work so talk a little bit about the kind of training that goes into sure. prepping for an event like this sure so um Ideally, um, if I'm preparing for an Ultraman event, I would start preparing my training about a year away from the event. Um, I do work um, specifically with a coach that helps me with the structure of my swimming, my biking, and my running workouts throughout um, the whole year. Um, and everyone's a little bit different as far as an athlete, but for me specifically, I really seem to thrive on a lot of consistency. So my workouts are daily workouts, um, very rarely taking a day off. Um, so I'll do workouts seven days a week. Um, and in those weeks, I'll average anywhere between 15 and 25 hours of training per week um, across many, many weeks um, leading up to the Ultraman event. What, um, so you were the only 
not only the, the only person from Hawaii doing this event, there's people from all over the world. You're that's the right. only person from the Big Island. How is it? Because you've done an ultra before in Florida. That's right. So how is it doing it on your home island? Just phenomenal. You know, I've uh, been a resident here on the Big Island for 24 years now. Um, and almost every day, I'm still blown away by the natural beauty and the power of this island. Um, and so to be able to experience that firsthand in the raw, um, out there under your own power, um, to be able to circumnavigate the island on Thanksgiving weekend with so much gratitude for what the island has provided me over the, the course of this last quarter century living here, um, it was just a lot of uh, really important dynamics kind of intersecting and coming together for the weekend. It's, um, it's kind of almost hard to find the words. Awesome. Yeah. Was there any moment during the race that sort of stands out to you? Like as you've been reflecting over the last week and you've been looking back, are there, are there any moments or moments that sort of stand out more than the others? Yeah. In, uh, the day two bike was, um, the island was especially moody that day. Um, there was a lot of weather involved um, from really, really hard rain, almost torrential downpours with rivers of water running down the middle of the, the road where we're riding our bike to uh, very, very strong winds. There was a high wind advisory that day and gusts I've heard up to 60, 70 miles an hour on that day. Um, so as I mentioned earlier, the rawness of that energy of the island and being able to experience that and ride through it on the bike, um, that really seemed like a one of a kind day. I don't think I'll ever be able to experience the duration um you know i was out there for 170 miles so that was what was my time about 10 hours ish or so um and just the experience of the big island and um being in those conditions um and another moment that really stood out was on the second day um or i'm sorry the third day day three the run day and in my mind i had it that the first 20 miles 26 miles the first marathon would be um it sounds kind of ridiculous but a little bit of a warm-up because we know the second half of that run can be quite difficult as things get hot and um, you become fatigued but it was quite early in the run where i started to experience some mental fatigue and it was really uh, right about mile 10 which is early into that where my i, I maybe i was underfueled or for whatever reason I was having these pervasive thoughts of, okay, I think I'm done. I'm going to quit and I'm going to be okay pulling out of this event. And um, for some reason that made sense at certain times. Naturally, I didn't. I was able to push through that. But the mental and psychological battle um, that happens sometimes in these long endurance races came much earlier in that day. And that, was, um, that stood out to me um, to be able to use the, the psychological and mental skills and tactics that I've practiced in training. I wasn't anticipating using those until mile 40 or 45. And here I'm a mile 10 and getting to use those. And so that was a little bit different and that stood out also. Uh, on day two, the island definitely, not only through everything at the athletes weather-wise, but there was across the board, flats abound and Billy had to deal with four flat tires on day two That's right. um, and still finish strong. And so the mental game is interesting. You just talked about the mental game. There's so much mentally that goes into it because it'd be so easy just to get overly frustrated and, you know, when those things come at you, but instead just sort of working through them. Mm -hmm. Was there 
did you work on that sort of the mental aspect before the race, like in training, or did you have sort of techniques and, you know, sort of things that you plan to pull out, like you said, like on the mm-hmm. run? What were sort of like the ways that mentally you sort of had prepared? Sure. So, you know, when we are training for this event, we're training in all aspects. It's um, actually the simplest part of the training is the actual the swimming, the biking and the running and those workouts that happen. But we're also training our digestive system. Right. Uh, One thing to pay attention to throughout these three days are the amount of calories and hydration that you're taking. And so we have to train our gut to be able to accept and utilize what we're going to be using on course. So there's a lot of um, nutrition training and hydration training that comes in. And in addition to that, there's also a lot of mental and psychological and emotional training. And um, my coach is uh, wonderful enough to put me in positions where I would really be tested um, in training and to be able to practice Um, sometimes with success and sometimes with failure, some of the psychological skills that are needed to push through the wall, right? Some people, you know, quote unquote, the wall where your body says, okay, I think we've had enough. It's time to shut it down. Um, You know, really at that point, we have so much more left in the tank physically. And to be able to play with that feeling and play with those thoughts, gosh, probably... 50 to 100 times in the course of our training year um, so that I know exactly what I need to do when the moment comes. Um, Without having that experience of actually doing it, it's really hard to be successful. Um, You can know in your head, but until you do it, you don't really know in your heart. And it's important to know in your heart that you can um, succeed in those hard times. And um, that's what a lot of the training is. Awesome. Yeah. So something you and I have talked about over this past week too is um, the reaction when people like find out you're do- that you're doing this, you're training for an ultra event or a big event. And I was like, you're crazy. That's crazy. I could never do that. What would you tell those people who, you know, we talked a lot about, you know. Oh my that. gosh. I am such <laughs> like the normal Joe dude, right? And um, certainly when you look at the totality of this event or sometimes an Ironman event or sometimes even a Olympic distance triathlon, those distances can seem huge and like a Mount Everest, like completely beyond. Um, but in the same way, um, how, how would I explain that? It's the daily consistency of really pushing yourself just a little bit further each day or each week. Um, So going from zero to 321.6 miles over three days is not realistic, but you can go from zero to five miles and then you can go from five miles to eight miles and then et cetera. And so that's where the, um, the year long aspect comes in because it takes a while to build up to that and the consistency and the discipline of the daily training. So eventually Um, running a 10 to 15 to 20 mile run is normal. It doesn't seem so long. Being out on the bike for five, six, seven, eight hours in a day, that's just a normal Saturday instead of um, a huge event. Um, We're all able to create a new normal and push ourselves in that way if we have the discipline and the consistency to do it, I think. Yeah, totally. I agree. Um, Yeah, I think it's easy for people to say, I could never do that. It's like, well, no, like none of us could do it tomorrow. 
I mean, right. Well, you could because you're in shape, but right. you know these aren't things that just happen overnight. There are things that That's take right. a lot of work and a lot of time and sacrifice. That's right. Um, in that time, so do you want to talk a little bit about that and just sort of do you feel like there's any sacrifices that were made in getting to this race? Oh, certainly. Um, you know, one thing I have to say is that um, you know, again, the training takes a lot of hours. I am. Um, blessed to be able to create my own work schedule because I do work for myself as a, a mental health counselor. Um, and so I'm able to block off three to four to five hours in the morning to be able to complete my training each day. Um, I really hand it to the people that have that get up, they're leaving the house at 8.30, they're back to their house at 5, 5.30, 6 o'clock, what we would consider a normal work day, and somehow they're able to squeeze in the training hours if it's waking up at 2.30 in the morning, um, doing double sessions, staying later in the evening. You know, that's really incredible sacrifice. Um, so through the week, through most of the training, there's actually very little overall negative impact on the rest of my life, my family, my work, my social life. Um, and really only up until maybe the six to eight weeks prior to the event, do I find myself being gone all day on a Saturday or all day on a Sunday or sometimes all weekend. And so some of the other areas of my life would pile up. The, the grass would get a little bit longer because I couldn't mow it, etc. There are imbalances that occur. I hear a lot of people saying your life needs to be in balance. And sometimes I disagree with that. I think when you are really focused on a goal, it's okay to be imbalanced with a lot of chips pushed in towards that one specific goal as long as that's not long term. And again, everyone's different, but that's what works for me. I can focus you know, a month or two knowing that once the event is over, I'm going to be able to reprioritize other areas of my life. But sometimes that priority list does need to shift as the event draws nearer for me. Awesome. Oh, one of the things I was really struck by this weekend or the race weekend and the week leading up to it, because it really it's a week long event when yeah. you come down to it um, with all the events that happened before and after, is the sense of community that the yeah. Ultraman has. Um, so tell me a little bit about just that community and um, maybe share, because you've been a part of it longer than I have, mm -hmm. um, share your thoughts on that Ultraman community and what it means. Sure. So um, I guess a little backstory, you know, Ultraman was, um, the first Ultraman event was in 1983, um, and it was founded with the backbone uh, principles of aloha and kokua and ohana and so those are three hawaiian words aloha is probably the most familiar with uh, people are most familiar with and that can mean many things but at its core it means love um, and this is not so much a romantic love or a sexual love but more so um, the love that connects us all as human beings um, Kokua is the Hawaiian word for helping or assisting, and ohana is the Hawaiian word for family. And so we really, uh, in the Ultraman community, prioritize the spirit of those three words, that we are a, a big Ultraman family that's here to help everyone, the slowest person, the fastest person, and everyone in between, with a lot of love that connects everyone. Um, one way that I'm able to frame it is, you know, in other triathlon events, let's say an Ironman branded event, oftentimes you're racing against people. Where with Ultraman, you're racing with people. And um, 
Certainly your crew is there to be able to provide for you emotional, psychological, tangible support throughout the whole weekend. But every crew is there to help every athlete and every crew is there to help every other crew also. Um, Because it's such um, a magnificent distance, everyone's helping everyone to get across the line. And I'll tell you, that is really, that's the best part. You're right to be immersed um, in that feeling of acceptance of non-judgment of everyone cheering everybody on helping each other as much as possible um, you know I think it's a <laughs> a little microcosm of hopefully the best parts of humanity in our world and being able to um, lift our community uh, lift our community up yeah, one of the things that I thought was really cool on the cruise is that the crews were a mix. And so it was a mix of um, friends, family, and other athletes. Mm-hmm. And I was really impressed by how many other Ultraman athletes I met that were coming back to crew for a friend, to crew for a fellow athlete, um, and not you know not racing themselves, but just being there to support somebody else and you know, know that in the future they'll be supported as well. Yeah. Um, so how many times have you actually crewed for this race? That's right. So I have crewed... Um, for three different athletes but uh, in the four years past so four years prior to this i was part of the ultraman crew and this is the first year i've been an athlete here in hawaii um next year um i'm going to be on crew for uh, a number of athletes uh for events in ultra there's an ultraman event in florida in february and an ultraman event in arizona in march Um, And then the Ultraman World Championships here again next uh, November. And I think I will be crewing for all three of those. Awesome. That's a cool way to give back. Yeah. Um, So at the end of the race, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's a big three days. Um, There was definitely sort of, you know, a moment where you went and had your moment. Mm -hmm. Um, What was going through your mind at the end of the race when you sort of were able to finally one stop moving in a forward direction and sit down at that bench at the picnic table? To be honest, there wasn't a whole lot going through my mind. My <laughs> mind was pretty blank at that point, but I did, um, and as similar to Ultraman Florida that I completed in February, um, just a big energetic release in, in the body, you know, to be what I call in battle for three days, right? Even though I'm not um, aggressive or serious when I'm racing, I try to, it works well for me to be smiley and happy, um, to keep a positive attitude, but I know I'm also going to battle um, with myself and going to battle with the conditions and the distances. Um, So there's a little warrior mentality that is important for me to maintain as I go through that because um, there's times when we really have to fight that battle. So to be able to release that, that gave me a really good cry um, just to be able to um, exhale, take my running shoes off, put my slippers on and um, and know that I don't need to warrior up at, at that point. That was a big energetic release for sure. Awesome. Is there any sort of last thoughts or um, last feelings that you would want to share with somebody listening to this or somebody interested or curious about Ultraman or sort of this island or, you know, doing a race like that here? Sure. You know, I think most importantly, it's really achievable and really possible for normal people to do extraordinary things. And 
One of the things I think is really crucial is the story that we tell ourselves about ourselves. And that's something that I've really focused on. You know, what, what comes after I am in our head is what follows us. So if we're telling ourselves stories like, um, that's hard, or I'm scared, or that's too big, or I cannot, then that's what it becomes. But if you're able to tell yourself, I can do this, um, I'm a little bit scared, but I'm also courageous. I can do it. Um, I am a warrior. And over and over and over and over and over and over again, telling that story in your head, you become that. Um, I'm no special athlete. I'm just a normal guy, husband, father, therapist, but I know I can do it. And um, to be able to prove that through the daily discipline and the mindset, I want to encourage everyone to push past those barriers and those fears that we have. You know, it's we really discover who we are when we push through that comfort zone. Um, and choosing the great adventure of being afraid and courageous all at the same time feels really, really good. And that's my hope for folks, right? That we don't settle, that we're able to um, take risks. And it's okay to fail. That's where the learning comes. But go for it. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. This has been a, it's been an amazing week. And um, yeah, excited for the next one. So, <laughs> Severia rocks. Great crew chief. Best ever. <laughs> Excited to crew you again. That's right. <laughs> Ultraman Arizona 2021. Woo-hoo! All right. <laughs> Thanks, Billy. Okay. That was great, Severia. Thanks for getting that for us. Absolutely. It was really tough having to go all the way to Hawaii for that. You know, you can send me back anytime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And is this the first time you've ever been a, a crew chief? So it's my first time being a crew chief. I crewed for the Angeles Crest 100 for another friend of mine a few years ago. So I have crewed on one other sort of ultra distance multi-day event. Um, but this was my first time sort of being a crew chief and being in charge and doing something that had multiple disciplines and um, was multiple days. Oh, cool. Well, that, well, that's great. And then, um, unfortunately, something something really sad has happened around this as well. You want to you want to tell us about that? We wanted to dedicate this episode to Sylvia Ravalia. Uh, she was one of Billy's pacers at the Ultraman World Championships, and she was killed tragically on January first while doing what she loved most, running. She was one of his running pacers, and we just want to give a shout out to the Ultraman community and family and the Camuela family. Um, and just know that we are thinking about you and your loss in that community. And in the show notes, we are going to have ways that you can contribute to the Hawaii Preparatory Academy, which is where she taught for student scholarships to support trail running opportunities, which is something that she loved doing. One thing I've done, which is one of the craziest things in my life, is I've spent over $100 on instant coffee just so I can see if we can improve your coffee consumption in the backcountry. So, you know, I didn't bother with any kind of like Senka or, or Folgers or any of that kind of stuff. This is just sort of high-end coffee. Some of these are quite expensive. Some are quite cheap. But what do you guys think? What are you most looking forward to? What's your coffee like in the backcountry? Well, uh, for me, my go-to is the Starbucks Via. Um, I've been drinking that for for a couple, few years anyways, you know, ever since they came out and it's lightweight and it's good enough. So it's pretty easy to, you know, find and it's pretty easy to drink. Uh, it's not the greatest coffee in the world. So I'm curious to see if uh, I'll be swayed to go for one of these other newer, sexier models. 
Yeah, and I'm excited. I usually do a combination of Trader Joe's has a stick that has cream and sugar in it, but ah. it's too sweet by itself. So I usually do that with or like a plain coffee um, packet. So I'm excited. I've tried the Alpine Star and the Via, but I haven't tried the other three or four. Yeah. So I'm very excited. So Savaria, which are, what are the coffees we have here? So we have, and I hope I pronounce these all right. We have Waka Coffee, quality instant coffee, which looks like it's an Arabica, Arabica, <laughs> freeze-dried Colombian coffee. We have the standard Italian roast, Via, from Starbucks. We have Kuju Coffee, who I actually am familiar with them as well. They're a pour-over, so that's going to be kind of exciting for us. Uh, we also have a one, one called Joe Coffee Company, Daily House Blend. Um, cool. And then we have Alpine Start. Uh, instant coffee. It's their original medium roast blend. It says enjoy hot or cold. That's mm, interesting. Yeah. And then the crazy one, voila, which comes in a very special tiny box. It looks kind of like a cigarette pack. It looks it? exactly it like a cigarette yes. pack. Yeah. It does, yeah. They have very good packaging. We'll, we'll taste these first and then we'll kind of go into price. I'm very curious to see. Why don't we do that one last? We'll okay. save the voila, the expense, most expensive for last. Um, we do have water, so we'll be clean, cleansing our palate between each. Since I also use Via as my main thing and have been for years, why don't we start with the Via because we're familiar with it and then we can kind of build from there. So, so here we go. So are we looking at like Dissolve quality. I think it's just flavor. Quality. I think it's just flavor. flavor. All right. Okay, Jeff. Jeff, you have your Via. I have. I have my Starbucks Via Italian roast. They do actually make a couple different variations. Yeah. This is what I go to. Hmm. I think it's good. Okay. Yeah. It's like coming home. It's that familiar yeah. taste of Starbucks. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Yep, tastes like the Via that I have. I've had, I don't even know how many, probably hundreds of times from different trails and hikes and that kind of stuff. And, and you know what? It's pretty good. I think it was, when it came out, Via was kind of like the first like really drinkable, acceptable instant coffee because I had messed around with French presses and with, you know, pour overs and all that in the, in the wilderness. And this was the first one that I'm like, you know what? This, this, this is drinkable enough that I'm not gonna, gonna waste my time. All and right. I will say they're Italian roast. It's a dark roast. So yes. if you like strong coffee, yeah. it's a good strong coffee. It's Absolutely. Not, there's no weak sauce there. No. All right. We're going to take a sip of water to cleanse the palate as Jeff is preparing the second one at this very moment, which is the Alpine Start Original Blend. Yeah, I've seen Alpine Start in some of the outdoor stores, actually. So like REI has it, A16 uh, Sports Basement up in the Bay Area. Let's see. Yeah, and they were actually started by two climbers. Oh, nice. Mm -hmm. Nice to keep it in the community. Boulder, Colorado. Okay. It's 100% Colombian Arabica instant coffee. It's very similar sort of packaging to what you get with the Starbucks Via. It's a little bit sweeter, though. I feel like it's got a, a little, uh, I don't know, maybe a little more drinkable. Okay. It's actually much smoother than the Italian. It's not quite as strong. Um, maybe a little less bitter. Yeah, it's not as strong, I'd say. It's nice. It's actually, I would say it's nice. It's probably what I'll say about it. Like, I tend to drink very strong coffee. I drink a lot of, make espresso at home, and I drink it straight, no sugar or anything. And, and you know, I like strong coffee, but I think something like I would say maybe over a longer trip, I could see how this would not 
it's strong enough, but not so strong and so like specific in flavor like the Via that, that you get sick of it. And you this, know? this is a medium roast, so it is going to be a little bit different. Yeah, yeah stuff, we should say that. that. I believe, yeah. obviously, Starbucks has more, and I believe there's several, a bunch of different ones for Alpine Start. So maybe that was my bad in not ordering the uh, the dark roast to match. Yeah, it's but, okay. Yeah. But this is very nice. What I'll say is it's very drinkable and very good. So, all right, what's up next, guys? Uh, we have the Waka coffee, which is a different packaging type. It's not the traditional, like, stick, like the Via and the Alpine Start. It's a cute little square package. Yeah, interesting. Huh. Okay, I'm going to use your mic if I can, but this looks like what I remember is the Folgers Instant Crystals. <laughs> it might be. I don't know. I, I, again, I just ordered these. I, I, I sort of, I didn't even look in outdoor blogs just, or anything. Just looking at it. I, I just searched. It reminds me of. I searched instant coffee and I looked for snobby instant coffee and obviously I found some. The first smell is good. That's always a good sign. Hmm. I'm going to say it. Yeah. Folgers Instant Coffee. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. No, that's, that's good to know. That's what comes to my mind. That's okay. That's good. That's why we try these. But it's good. It almost has like a little chocolate, like there's a little chocolatiness to the aftertaste. I don't know. It's, it's actually not bad. I don't know. It's actually... Not too bad? Okay. So, so you like Folgers. I, just, I, I mean, <laughs> I think there's a time and a place. Like sometimes you just want like easy drinking coffee. Yes. And sometimes you want like a strong cup of coffee. Kind of like beer. Sometimes you want an IPA yeah. and sometimes yeah. you want a lager. Or a, I feel yeah. like it was similar taste profile to the Alpine Start though. Okay. I, I would say yes. I think it was, it's a little light for me. Like again, like you're saying the Folgers and whatever. I mean, I like dark and I like darker roast, stronger coffees. It's a little light, a little watery. It's, uh, it's not my favorite. Mm-hmm. So we're going to go fancy with the Kuju pour over. Yeah. So, so this is kind of an interesting thing. It's almost like its own little pour over filter, almost kind of like a tea bag thing that fits around a cup. And then you do like a, a, a pour over in. You unpeel that and then try to keep the dog from eating it. So wide mouth cup, maybe not the best choice. Right. We're, we're, we're going for a different cup. So no Sierra cup. cup. It's not going to work with the Sierra cup probably. I will say too, having used pour, pour over in the backcountry, if it's really cold out, unless you're pouring it into a, an insulated th- cup, yeah, it gets by the time you're done with like the whole process of the letting it filter and having the water go through, yeah. the coffee's cold. Yeah, so you do need to think about that. My my thing with with this, it, it looks good, and I'm excited to try it. I wonder, like. I mean, I have my own way of doing pour over. Like I have a, a super ultra lightweight little pour over thing. So I wonder if I would not just, you know, bring the coffee that I like and do my own pour over of this. And I think it's clever. I just don't know if it's, I feel like I would probably want to buy my own beans and, and do my own thing before I would do this. Um, and also we should say like most of the, the all of these others are really small, tiny packaging. Um, this is going to have leftover, you know, you're going to have the, the grounds, you're going to have the, 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 yeah. the casing for the grounds. So not, not a massive amount of bulk, but you, you have a little bit of bulk involved that you're going to have to pack out. I think for a few days, that's not necessarily a big thing. But say if you were doing like a longer hike and, you know, space was at a premium, it definitely is much, takes up much more space than a Starbucks Via, you know. But it's also, uh, I think there's much more ritual involved in yes. this. No, no, and absolutely. it feels more like a regular coffee experience, whereas, yeah. you know, pouring a little micro ground powder into a cup and stirring it no, no, doesn't absolutely. have that same experience. So I like yeah. that part of it, you know, no, so no, far. No, no, for sure. No, absolutely. It's, it's, uh, it looks good. And, and now 
I have to figure out what to do with the darn filter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The nice thing about Kuju too, based on their packaging, it says they are ethically sourced coffee made with wind power, and they do, they're one they're one percent for the planet members, and they support the National Park Foundation. Well, that's great. So, no, no, yeah. yeah. So it's actually it's kind of nice. So that they we're call a lot that of good, out. lot of good stuff. Feel yeah, good. we're rooting for them. Karma points. <laughs> like we want to like that. We haven't tasted the coffee yet, but we're rooting for them. It smells good. Mmm. I like that one a lot. Yeah, yeah. It's like, really? Well, that's good. You know, that's... that's... There was a happy smile that came on I your like face. I like that one a lot. Yeah. You know, I'm not, I'm not a food critic. You yeah, know, yeah. My, <laughs> my descriptions aren't really that great, but I can tell you that I like it. I know what I like, and I like that. Yeah, it's interesting. The packaging says earthy, dark cocoa, dried berry, and you can taste... I wouldn't like, come up with those words, right. but I know that I like it. You know, that's... <laughs> no, this is definitely the best tasting. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I was, to be honest, I was I, I didn't expect it to be bad. I, I will be honest and say I didn't expect it to be this good. This is actually really good. Yeah. They've, they've done, done a pretty amazing job. And again, there is the... You know, the added issue of the extra packaging and the whatever, but as far as like just simple whatever, this is this is uh, okay. I, I've got a, a real quick leave no trace question. Yeah. We've got grounds with this one. Mm-hmm. Okay. The other ones, you know, the powders and everything dissolves, you just drink it all. Here you've got some grounds at the end. Obviously the filter you're gonna pack out. What about the grounds? So oh, oh, you can pack, pack them out. Yeah. Absolutely. Pack them out. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Just, pack, just so we're clear. Packing yeah. them out. If you have time and you like are in a sunny place, you can actually dry them out a little bit so they're not so heavy. Right. So you can actually sort of maybe re-dehydrate. <laughs> yeah. And use them again. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, yeah. TMI, uh, you can put them in your potty bag with your stinky paper and it helps absorb the scent. I don't have one of those, but that's good to know. Yeah. When you pack out your... <laughs> no, well, yes. Yeah. All right. So now we're on to the... Joe. The Joe. It comes with instructions. Pour crystals. Water. Ooh, more crystals. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this is the Daily House blend from Joe. All right, let's see how the uh, Joe coffee... Now, we're using a different cup. Yeah, this is a plastic that cup. That does make a difference, I think. Does it? Yeah. And this is a New York company, apparently. Or established in New it's York. It's good. It's yeah. fine. You know, I would I would say this is probably, uh, it's a good, strong, you know, dark roast it, that is similar to the Starbucks Via, the mm-hmm. Italian roast that we had. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Ooh, that can say not a fan. Not a fan? Yeah, no, not a fan. Not as much. I mean, it's, trust me, when it comes to coffee in the morning, like, I'll drink anything, but if I had to choose, this would be lower on my list. Yeah. Jeff, are you a pour-over convert, maybe? Oh, I've I've done (laughs) pour-overs many times, but so far the the kuju uh, has won my uh, best of. But we have one more to try. Yeah, this is this is uh, not a fan of the Joe either. I, I think I think it's bitter. It's not a good. It's not a. Uh, Jason, burnt. Jason's yeah. making that squinty face. Like, yeah, me no like. No, that's yep. No, that one. That that one. Sorry, Joe. That was not. That was not my uh, my favorite. Okay, this is sort of the 
This is this is one of the fancy ones. So while they're brewing this, I'll kind of go into the 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 price wow. of it. So I, I searched without like again, I didn't look for backcountry stuff and just just fancy instant coffees. And this this one, the voila, it is called, and it was quite spendy. Although so is the Kuju. The the Kuju was also expensive. Both of those were around twenty dollars for a pack. How, how many Severia? How many how many? There's ten. So there's ten, ten in, in the Kuju. Ten in the Kuju, and I think eight in the voila. There, right? Five in there's, the voila. So there's five for in the twenty voila bucks. For These twenty are $4 bucks. Four dollars a packet. So yeah, and I mean you can get. You can buy Via in bulk, so obviously you can get that for less than a dollar a, a oh, yeah. per easily, around 75 cents, maybe even 50 cents if you look. I've seen it on Amazon, I think like other places like that where you can buy like 50 or whatever. You know, this is obviously a consideration. I mean, you can't, you know, $5 a cup for, for instant coffee is a bit... Whatever. So, and of course, we haven't tasted it yet. So let's see. Let's see how it is. Yeah. So what is we have worth here. Five dollars. <laughs> what we have here is uh, an yeah. Ethiopia Kircha Dubisa. Wow. It's described as lively with peach, yeah. lemongrass, and berry jam. Wow. Notes. Yeah. Okay. Well, first challenge is actually opening, opening it without the spilling everything. Well, everywhere. it's very expensive, so they make it very. You know, they want to make sure you 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 mean it when you open it. Yeah. <laughs> Every one of those grains cost five cents. <laughs> Just about. <laughs> and it was mm. put in the package with love. It was. And there was a rainbow. It was a rainbow. <laughs> Here we go. There were unicorns involved somewhere. Voila. Moment of, tr- moment of truth. Voila. Voila. They should win something just for the name. I know, right? I know. Verdict? I like it. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's good. Do you four dollars like it? Yeah. I don't know if I four dollars <laughs> like it though. <laughs> yeah. Is it four dollars, five dollars, you know, four dollars and fifty cents better than your to via? Me, to me it's it's in between the voila and the kuju. Right. Right now is kind yeah. of and I think kuju might maybe edges it out a little bit. But but it is saying though that like if you spend a little bit of extra money, well I haven't tried it yet, but but at least from your palate, if you spend a little bit of extra money, you know, you get mm-hmm. Severia is not, I mean, not as in love with it as I'm, it's okay. You know, and part of that might be like if this was a blind test, we might get different results again. Yeah, uh, we're going in expecting something. Yeah, I mean, I think it's good. I think I would definitely agree with you. I'd say it's. I would put it second best to the Kuju also. Um, but I guess we could also question the Kuju. Is it really instant coffee? Because again, it's it's basically a pour over, yeah. right? I mean, it's packaged in a sense, and it's. It's it's right to compare it with these, but and in, in it's not necessarily the same thing. And that you have grounds when you're done, and you have the trash. And and so that kind of begs the question: yeah. is what's what do you do when you're yeah. in the backcountry? And and, yeah. and in my mind, it comes down to what you want to do. No, absolutely. Yeah, there's a lot of times when all I want to do is boil some water and yeah. put it in my cup and stir some via or whatever in yeah. there, and and then throw that down. Other times, I might want to have the sort of experience and the ritual of pouring, doing a pour over and sitting and enjoying and savoring the moment. And I can see, you know, sitting by this lake as the sun comes up over the mountain with my cup and yeah, just enjoying the moment. And I think that's when I would go to something like Kuju. Yeah. I, and, and the voila was, I, is very good. I will say actually, I mean, I, I think it's sort of like a, a smoother, fuller kind of taste, a, a version of what the via is. It's, 
it's it's a little better, it's a little smoother. But again, if where would I pay four or five dollars more for that? Knowing that I'm in the backcountry where already our standards are somewhat lower for what we eat and whatever, I would probably not spend that money. You know, if you're doing a month long hike, I mean, the expense, the added expense of something bringing coffee like that, right? And even the pour over, I wouldn't yeah. do on a month long hike just because of the space and everything it, it, else. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Those via are very good at, at, at filling in tiny spaces in your bear can too, right? Like like the little little nooks and crannies. Yeah. I feel like maybe we should do a field trip to the camp, the LA River Camp Coffee guys, and do a blind taste test with them. That would be great. Right? Yeah. And like have them like yeah. basically like we won't tell them what they're tasting and have yeah. them rank them. Now I've got two tips for this coffee stuff. Okay. One is that the Starbucks Via can also double as a stirrer. <laughs> so the pour, you pour the packet in, you don't need a spoon or anything. You can just fold the Via uh, envelope and stir your coffee with that. That's first tip. Second tip to make any you know, mediocre coffee tastes better. Mix in some hot chocolate mix. Yeah. And now you've got a mocha and it's, you know, extra calories. If you're doing one of those longer trips, it helps kind of mix it up a little bit. We did this on the Wonderland Trail. Yes, we did. And it was wonderful. It was. <laughs> yeah. Can't get tired of, of the Via. You know, I think we, we were both, we were all a little burned out and we were in a place with the store and they, they happened to have even, it was the cheapest like carnation, I think, <laughs> like cho- generic hot, hot chocolate. Mix, yeah. But even just putting that in the coffee kind of, it just changed it up a bit and, and made it, and made it, you know, feel kind of good and, and very good. Yep. And that's why those trade Joe coffee sticks that have the cream and sugar. Yeah. It just adds another dimension to it. Maybe mix, do a mix of these. Yeah. So you're not drinking the exact same coffee every day. You know, you could maybe even mix you know, it up on the trail. Yeah. And then like buy one or two of those things of voila over a big trip and it's a treat. You know what I mean? It's like you have a hard day. You know what? I, I had a hard day. I'm going to do this, this fancier coffee and treat myself. I mean, all of these are very drinkable. I think that's, that's a nice thing. You know, I mean, unless you're incredibly snobby and incredibly particular about the coffee you're drinking, it's come a long way and you know, it's pretty exciting. Okay. So Jason, yeah. do you want a cup of coffee? <laughs> I, 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 yeah. <laughs> which, which one would you pick? Uh, definitely just, just if I was to drink, I would say the Kuju okay. is definitely number one. And I would definitely go with the, the Voila second. But then uh, to be honest, I, I would kind of, I would put it kind of a tie and make it, maybe make it more of a mood. I feel like the, the Via and the, and the Alpine start were pretty much about this on par. Yeah. Um, they were a bit different type roast, so it's kind of hard to say which one was which they were going for a different thing, but I think you could, the quality wise and whatever, I, I, I've had other types of Via that are closer to that. And I, I think that's definitely on par with that and quite good. Um, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't even know what I'm going to do with the Joe. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> I, I bought it, so I don't know. Um, we'll bring it to the taste test. Yeah, or some chocolate. We'll bring some chocolate and uh, maybe I'll mix it in with some hot chocolate. That'll be good for that. Um, but uh, no, it's, it's been in the Waka, Waka as well. Maybe not, you know. Savaria, you want a cup of coffee? Yeah, I think, I think I would, if I had the time and you know, the space in my bear canister to pack it out, I would definitely go Kuju. Um, and I think if I had to do a second choice, I think same thing, I'd, it'd be between the Via and the Alpine Start based on if I wanted something stronger or lighter. Because I think the original blend of the Alpine is definitely a lighter uh, version versus the Via, which is a good like. All right, well, yeah, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna have a cup of the Kuju. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, 
Well, that's going to do it for us, guys. Thanks again for listening. Tune into our next episode where, rather than everyday heroes, we're going to be talking about a legend. The title track, Almost There, by Opus Orange, is provided courtesy of Emoto Music. Make sure to check out Opus Orange wherever you find your music. Don't forget to subscribe to us and follow us on our social media places. Our Instagram is almostthere underscore AP. You can follow Jeff at the SoCal Hiker, Severia at Adventurous Women, that's A D V E N T U R U S Women, and you can follow me at The Muir Project. Hey, this is just our second episode. Our first one has done really well, and we're, we're super excited. Again, please uh, make sure to follow us, like us, subscribe, tell everyone you know, especially if they're hikers, even if they're not hikers, and hopefully we can keep this thing going. And to close, once again, we'd really like to give our condolences to Sylvia Ravalia and her family and friends and everyone that knew her. Please check the show notes on where to give. Everyone stay safe out there, and we'll be back in two weeks.